0: Have, you ever, have any of you ever thought to yourself that it's, it's, it's hard to be a Christian? Have any of you ever not only thought that it's hard to be a Christian, have any of you ever e- said that? Have you ever said to somebody, man, it is difficult, it's hard to be a follower of Jesus. It is a hard road to be on. Well, the author of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews understood that being a follower of Jesus was difficult. And last week, he was concerned, so he warned us not to be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, not to be carried away by false teachings. We learned last week that Jesus Christ is the truth. Not just that he speaks truth, but that Jesus Christ is truth. And not only is Jesus Christ truth, the Word of God is truth. And not only is the Word of God truth, but grace is truth. And when we said that last week, there were a number of amens, and those are all three amenable statements. And cognitively, in our minds, we like the idea of absolute truth. We like to hold on to an absolute truth. But when you really think about it, that has some pretty serious implications for our lives. Because if Jesus Christ is truth and if the Word of God is truth and if grace is truth, that means that you and I, as followers of Jesus, have to follow and adhere to truth. And that can be pretty hard. That can be difficult. I think about Elle, a devoted follower of Jesus. When she was in high school, Elle had a great group of friends. But when her friends started to drive they also started to drink. And when I say drink, I mean they began to, to drink alcohol. And, and L didn't believe that that was right. It, she didn't believe that that was what God wanted her to do. So she wouldn't go to the parties. And within a matter of weeks, her friend group completely cut her off. They wouldn't even speak to her in school. And she even lost her boyfriend. I think of Mike a devoted follower of Jesus Christ who felt a call to serve God and he felt this tug, he felt this pull to get a passport. And he said, Okay, God, I'm going to get a passport with this just one condition don't send me to Africa. <laughs> Guess where God sent Mike? To Africa. I think about Sandy a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a suburban, well-to-do wife and mother who felt the call to go into the prisons, to pray with women in the prison. She felt ill-equipped. She was extremely scared to go into a situation that she perceived as being very risky. But because God called, she went to the prison. I think of Mary a devoted follower of Jesus who worked really hard in her school studies hard in order to attain a job at a prestigious legal at a prestigious law firm well her work paid off she gets a job at the law firm and she works hard she works diligently she takes all the tough assignments she does them well she treats her clients well and for a while she gets many many accolades but then the partners find out that she's a follower of Jesus And the accolades cease. There's no promotions or raises. I think of most of you, devoted followers of Jesus Christ, individuals who have been called to Calvary Church, and you say, Calvary Church is my home. This is my church. This is the body of Christ that I have committed to. But in committing to Calvary Church, you recognize that that means that you are part of the body of Christ and you are part of the support system at Calvary Church. And if you're part of the support system at Calvary Church, that means that you have to write a check or you have to write many checks. And it's not always easy to write checks. It can be hard and it can be difficult. And not only are some of those situations hard and difficult, when we look around and we look outside of the church, when we look at those that don't adhere to an absolute truth, that believe that truth is relative, when we look at those who don't follow Jesus, we look at their lives and we think their lives seem so easy. It seems so comfortable. It seems so safe. They seem to be getting along so smoothly. But Jesus calls us to adhere to truth, to follow truth. Because if Jesus Christ is truth, and if the word of God is truth, and if grace is truth, That means that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, adhere to the truth. You see, our minds like the idea of an absolute truth. But sometimes our hearts aren't so sure, and it becomes difficult to follow truth. And we think to ourselves, man, it would be a lot easier to go to the parties. Man, it would be a lot easier if I didn't have to go to Africa. It would be so nice if I didn't have to go to the prisons. It would be great if I could keep my mouth shut and just climb the corporate ladder. And boy, it would be awesome if I wouldn't have to write any checks. But Jesus Christ is the truth. And he calls each one of us To the truth. And when you are called to the truth, that means that you live your life with standards. It means that you live your life in service to the truth. And that means that you sacrifice for the truth. So let's take our Bibles and see what God has to say about what it means to adhere to truth. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 is found on page 976 in the Bible that the church provides. It's either in the rack in front of you or under the seat below you if you're in the balcony. I'd love to have you follow along this morning. The author of Hebrews has been encouraging us on our journeys of faith and in Chapter 13 specifically, the author has been giving us instructions on how to see with those eyes of faith, how to navigate the journey of faith using the eyes of faith. How is it that we can see God and see what God may be doing in any given situation or circumstance? And now here in verses 11 through 14, the author instructs us on what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ and adhere to the truth he's also going to remind us that it's all worth it. Listen as I read, beginning in verse 11. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his word. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Now, upon the first reading, you may be wondering what these verses have to do with following Jesus and adhering to the truth. In fact, upon reading them, you may just be plain confused. You look at this and you say the the blood of animals, sin offerings, outside the camp, the enduring city. But just like much of the letter to the Hebrews when we first look at this, there's so much information packed in these verses and sometimes it's a little bit difficult to see what the author is trying to tell us. But he's trying to tell us a whole lot here. So let's dig dig a little bit deeper. Look first in verse 11. In verse 11, we read, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. Now, this verse is seemingly the most confusing verse, but it sets the stage for what's to come next. The author of Hebrews lays the groundwork for the point that he's trying to make. And here in verse 11, the author of Hebrews is referring to the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was the most solemn and important day within the Jewish calendar. It is the holiest day of the Jewish year. Yet, unlike the other Jewish holidays the Day of Atonement was not a day of celebration. It wasn't a celebration feast. In fact, it was a day of mourning, a day of repentance, a day when the people of Israel were required, they're forced to focus upon their sin. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the tabernacle to sacrifice animals to make atonement for the sins of the people the high priest would bring these sacrifices so that the people's relationship could be made right with God by the covering of the sins, of their sins. And for us this morning, it's important for us to understand the Day of Atonement and how it relates to the instruction that the author of Hebrews is going to provide for us. Now, as I said, the Day of Atonement dealt with sin. And the Day of Atonement is described for us back in Leviticus chapter 16. So take your Bible and turn back to Leviticus chapter 16, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third book in the Bible. It's found on page 992. In Leviticus 16, God gives instructions for the day of atonement. And these instructions that God gives are very specific. The high priest must be very careful. You see, he just can't enter the most holy place of the tabernacle on any given day. In the most holy place, this is the place, this is the area in which God resides. And there were very specific rules on how the high priest could enter and when he could enter. And the Day of Atonement is the only day that he can go in there, but he has to prepare He has to be cleansed. He has to be ready to go into the most holy place. Look at, let's pick up beginning in verse three. This is how Aaron, now Aaron's the high priest. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Then he has to bathe and he has to put on some special clothes. Then verse five, from the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering and to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Then there is detail after detail and verse after verse on how these animals are to be sacrificed and how the blood of these animals is to be sprinkled on the mercy seat within the most holy place. And this blood is to be sprinkled for the atonement of the high priest's sins, for the cleansing of the most holy place, for the cleansing of the tent meeting, for the cleansing of the altar itself, and for the atonement of the people's sins. Five sacrifices, five ways in which the high priest must sprinkle the blood in order for the atonement for sins. Are you starting to understand? Do you kind of see how seriously God takes sin? all of this preparation, all of this cleansing, then instruction upon instruction upon instruction, and then sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice in order that the people, that the sins of the people can be covered. Then look what happens to one of the goats in verse 20. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat, He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall then send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it in the wilderness. That goat is the scapegoat then after the scapegoat is released, all of the other sacrifices are ultimately burned. Look at the second half of verse 24. Then he, the high priest, shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people to make atonement for himself and for the people. Jump down to verse 27. The bull and the goat for the sin offerings whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement must be taken Where? Outside the camp. Must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh, and intestines are to be burned up. Here we have another reminder of the seriousness of sin. And then look at the result of all of this, verse 30. Because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. Down to verse 34. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. Now, can you imagine how great the Israelites had to feel the day after the day of atonement? All of their sins were covered by and through these sacrifices. All of their sins, all of their wickedness, all of their rebellion was covered when the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat within the most holy of holies. These sacrifices made on their behalf so that their sins would be covered. And not only the sacrifices, the sins were placed symbolically on the head of the scapegoat. And the scapegoat is sent out into the wilderness symbolizing the fact that their sins are no longer with them. Their sins are gone. Their sins are out into the wilderness. Can you imagine how good they had to feel? Can you imagine how their burden had to be lifted? Can you imagine the freedom that they had their sins were completely covered and they could have right relationship with God but here's the problem the day of atonement had to keep happening year after year after year after year the high priest had to sacrifice animals to cover the sins of the people of Israel. And not only did the Day of Atonement have to keep happening year after year after year, not only was the Day of Atonement only good for one year, it only covered sin. It did not forgive sin. What happened on the Day of Atonement was temporary and was not complete. And this leads us directly to the point that the author of Hebrews wants to make in Hebrews 13, verse 12. So turn back to Hebrews 13 and let's look what the author has to say in verse 12. Look at verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. The author tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement imagery. He is both the high priest who offers the sacrifice, and he is also the sacrifice himself. He is the offering himself. It is his blood that is shed for us. It's his blood that makes us holy. It is his blood that sanctifies us. It is his blood, Jesus' blood, that makes us right before God. And just like the scapegoat was taken outside the city, was taken outside the gate... And just like the carcasses of the animals that were sacrificed were taken outside the gate, Jesus Christ was crucified outside the gate. And this is the point. Being outside the camp or outside the city gate, is not a place of honor. Being outside the camp, outside the city gate, is not a place of prestige. In fact, being outside the gate, being outside the camp, is a place of disgrace. And Jesus Christ was taken outside the city gate of Jerusalem and was crucified for your sins and for my sins. And what Jesus did is so much greater than what Aaron did in the sacrifices for the people of Israel. Those sacrifices were temporary in nature. They only lasted for a year and not only were they temporary in nature... They were not complete. They only provided for the covering of the sin. They didn't provide for the complete forgiveness of the sin. The best that one could hope for was that one sin was covered for just one year. With Jesus, he put away sin forever. Forever. Look at how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 3. Look at what Paul writes. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of what? Atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. What he says is, yes, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, But Jesus came and died on a cross outside the city gate so that you and I, if we put our faith and trust in him, can come to the cross, bend our knee, and receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers through his death and the shedding of his blood on the cross. Complete and eternal separation from our sin. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ... Your sins are not just covered, they are completely forgiven. Past, present, future sins are gone. They are removed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered by God again. And that is what happens when you come to the cross and the high priest Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice and the offering as if his blood, which covers and forgives our sins completely and fully. I said to you earlier how happy, how great must it have been for the people of Israel the day after the day of atonement. How their burdens have to had been lifted, how they had to be feeling so free. If they felt that way, how much more should you and I feel when we get to go to the cross? Because forever our sins are forgiven. Your burden is lifted. You are free. And when God looks down at you, he doesn't see the dirty. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his blood. Yes, that is the response. It is a big, huge amen. But here's the deal. Listen up. It is not just worth a shout. Did you hear what I said? It is not just worth a shout. The fact that Jesus goes to the cross and provides forgiveness and provides love for you and provides and accepts you into his family so you can be called a child of God is not just worthy of a shout. It is worthy of your total commitment to him not only in word but in action. You and I as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who have received his forgiveness, his love and his acceptance are called to action. Take your Bibles because the author of Hebrews tells us exactly what we need to be doing. Look exactly what our response should be. Look at verse 13. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. Now, if you're like me, you come to the cross and you think to yourself, man, this is great. I get to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. I get to receive love. I get to receive acceptance. That's awesome. It's worth the shout, but it's worth more than a shout. And the author of Hebrews says, if you're going to receive that, the response is, let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. To the original readers, this message is very clear. To the original Jewish readers, this message was you can no longer hang on to the Judaism that you were born into and that you grew up in and that you have come out of. It is not Judaism plus some of Jesus. You leave that Judaism behind and you commit to follow Jesus and him exclusively. To you and to me, it means that we are to be in the world, but not of this world. You see, we live in a world that thinks completely differently than we do. They don't adhere to an absolute truth. They believe that truth is relative. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. That world out there is completely different, and I can best describe it as describing it as a culture of self that everything is about me and pursuing what I can get and my greatest fulfillment. But Jesus says, no, you can't be in, you can't, you can, you can be in the world, but you cannot be of the world. You have to leave the world and its worldliness and commit to follow Jesus and him exclusively. It's not the world plus Jesus. It's just Jesus. So what does this look like? Let's look at a few of Jesus' words. Let's see what he says it looks like. Matthew 10. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. People in the camp, people in the camp don't acknowledge Jesus. And if they do talk about him, typically they talk about him negatively. Negatively. They talk about him as a bad choice or some type of derogatory in some type of derogatory way. But people outside the camp, they acknowledge Jesus. They acknowledge Jesus and who he is and they speak of him and they talk about him and they act upon his behalf. The danger for some of us in here is we think sometimes that our religion, our religious beliefs are meant to be private and we hold those things inside but as devoted followers of Jesus who are pursuing truth and adhering to truth, Jesus says, acknowledge me. Acknowledge me with the people you come in contact. Speak of me. Act on my behalf. This is the story of L. L. committed, devoted follower of Jesus Christ, decides that she is going to follow Jesus, and it costs her her friends. This is Mary's story. Mary goes to work in the law firm, works hard, but it becomes known that she is a follower of Jesus and negative things follow. How about this passage? What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and asked, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. This is what Jesus said to the religious people. Let me read that last sentence again. Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. People in the camp like to hear stories of people doing radical things. People in the camp like to hear stories of others stepping out of their comfort zones and of others stepping out of their safe lives. People outside the gate step out of their comfort zones and step out of their safe lives. If you want to be outside the gate, that means you can no longer remain in your comfortable, safe life. It means you have to step out and answer the call that Jesus has on your life. I don't know what that is. I don't know what he is calling you to, but I promise you he is calling you to do something outside of your comfort zone. This is the story of Mike. Mike steps outside of his comfort zone. And he moves and he acts on behalf of Jesus. When you're outside of the gate, life is not always comfortable. Life is not always easy. But to adhere to truth means we are to step outside the gate. And look at this. Look at what Jesus says here. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who cannot, who can destroy both the soul and the body. You think Mike's scared about going to Africa? Outside the gate means we step outside of our comfort zone. We step outside of the safety When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. People inside the camp like to do things for themselves. They also like to do things for people who can respond in kind. They like to do things for people who can return the favor. Because inside the camp, people are about themselves, and they are about pursuing the safety and the comfort and the enhancements of life that their work can bring them. But outside the camp, Jesus calls us to service and sacrifice this is Sandy's story: the mother from the suburbs who leaves the comfort, leaves her comfort zone and goes into the prisons to pray with women and to share Jesus' love with them. Outside the camp means that we have to move towards those who are the least of these. We have to move those towards those who need the love of Jesus Christ the most. Look at this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. People in the camp love to acquire. People in the camp love to acquire houses in cars, in cottages, in investment accounts. They love to inquire so that their life will be more comfortable, so that their life will seemingly be more happy and more full of purpose. People outside the camp recognize that the blessings that God has given them are to be used for the benefit of others. People outside the camp recognize that the blessings, that the money, that the tangible things that God has blessed them with are to be used to store up treasure in heaven where moths and vermin will not destroy, where the gifting and the storage is eternal, What does it mean to adhere to truth? What does it mean to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ? It means that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And that means that we are to be outside of the city and we are to be outside the gate. And when you go outside the gate, you get Jesus. Because let me tell you something. Jesus is not in the city. He is not in the city. He is outside the camp. And he is calling you and he is calling me to join him outside the camp. And that means if we are going to adhere to truth, we are people who need to have standards and we need to serve and we need to sacrifice Jesus demonstrates his love for us on the cross and he calls you and me to a response of action. But there's one other thing he provides and that's a huge reward. Look at verse 14. When you go outside the camp, you get Jesus huge reward. But look what else you get. Look at verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. You see, the city, the world, does not last forever. The original readers of this text, they thought that their interest, in fact, Trying to pursue interest and safety. They thought they could go back to Jerusalem, back to the temple, but that was illusionary. There was no safety, there was no eternal comfort back in the city of Jerusalem. In fact, just a few years after this letter is written, the city of Jerusalem is completely destroyed, it's gone. And just like Jerusalem, the city that we live in, this world is not going to last forever it is destined for destruction it is destined for doom so holding on to the city like it is life itself is actually death and what the author of hebrews is saying here is don't look to the city that is not enduring, look to the city that is going to last forever. Look to the city that all those people, Abraham, all of those people that are identified in chapter 11, all of those people were pursuing. Look to the city that you are running the race with perseverance towards. Look towards the eternal city. Look towards the heavenly home that God is preparing for you. You see, when we step outside of the gate, when we leave that city, and we step outside of the gate to be with Jesus, we get Jesus. And we get the promise of an enduring city, the heavenly city that is going to last forever. John refers to it in Revelation 21 as the new Jerusalem, a place where there will be no more sorrow, sadness, crying, or pain, a place of incredible beauty, and the place where Jesus is. Jesus calls each one of us to be devoted followers and to pursue truth. And that means that we need to go outside the gate to be with him. Now, I know it's tempting. I know it's tempting to go back into the city and think that it's more comfortable there. It is easier there. And it will be so much, easy, so much easier. We all have a choice to make. We have the choice are you going to live in the city or are you going to live outside the camp? I'd like to leave you with one story. It's the story of C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was an Englishman and C.T. Studd was from an extremely wealthy family. And not only was C.T. personally wealthy, he was also a great athlete. He was an all-England cricket player. He had incredible wealth and incredible athletic ability. But then something happened when he met Jesus and gave his life to Jesus. C.T. Studd, when he gave his life to Jesus, relinquished his social status. He wisely gave away and distributed his wealth. And he became a missionary to China and India. And he served in China and India for 21 years, serving faithfully in those two countries, serving with great endurance and perseverance and effort to the point that it essentially broke him. His health began to fail, he began to have daily struggles, and his health became so severe that he eventually had to go back to England. He goes back to England, but while back in England, he receives from God another call, a very explicit call to go to Africa. So, at 53 years old and in very poor health, C.T. Studd leaves for Africa. When his friends questioned the wisdom of his decision, C.T. Studd pointed to a postcard that he kept on his desk, which read, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. C.T. Studd died alone in Africa. And when his diary was found, the last entry read, Oh God, I have searched my life and my soul, and I have nothing else that I can give to Jesus. Oh God, I have searched my life and my soul, and I have nothing else I can give to Jesus. I have one question this morning Is that how we live our lives? Oh God, I have searched my life and my soul, and I have nothing else that I can give to Jesus. That's what it means to adhere to truth and live outside the camp. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you have demonstrated your love to us by sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins. Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us, for the forgiveness, for the love, and for the acceptance. Lord, it is my prayer That you would strengthen each one of us to live our lives completely and fully for you, adhering to truth. And Lord, we need your strength because there is no way that any one of us can do it on our own. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that your spirit would fill this church and that your spirit would fill each one of us individually and encourage us and strengthen us towards truth and action. Lord, I pray that you would make each one of us more devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.